Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Talent. I'm Nicole Fuqua. You're listening to our audio series where we dig into issues related to talent acquisition. Today, we're talking about how talent acquisition is transforming to become more strategic and drive business results. Traditionally, talent acquisition has operated reactively and administratively, buried deep in the HR business function. But with a tight talent market and increasing competition for the best workers, recruiters at market-leading companies are starting to work as advisory partners, and talent acquisition is driving change rather than simply responding to it. Joining me to talk about this transformation is a guest who's leading it at his own organization, Jeff Scott, Managing Director of Talent Acquisition for North America at BMO Financial Group. Throughout his nearly 25-year career at BMO, Jeff has been known as a fixer, a change agent who has led enterprise transformation and refined North American operations in diverse areas such as technology development, procurement, learning, and now talent acquisition. In his role at BMO, Jeff is leading an aggressive growth agenda to attract the best talent, create the highest caliber recruiting experience in the marketplace, and to position BMO to, quote, be the best, attracting the best. Jeff is passionate about disrupting the status quo and loves to ask the question, why not? Apply a little common sense and bring everyone along for the ride. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Let's get started today by taking a look backwards. So how would you describe what the role of the recruiter has traditionally been? What did it look like? And if you can give us a time frame, how recently has this been the case? Yeah, so... uh, you know, to me, the, the role of the recruiter has um, historically been more um, sort of, of of a process administrator. I would say very focused on the action of kind of of checking boxes and moving a workflow along, meeting some compliance re- uh, requirements, and really just you know just a little bit more administrative in nature. And uh, you know, I would say recruiters have you know historically been drowning in perhaps lower value work, lower value activities, definitely subject to excessive numbers of applicants and a volume of, of applicant flow and, and candidate information that's seemingly impossible to navigate through. Um, it actually is impossible to navigate through. I would, I would argue that traditionally, um, you know, the volumes are just simply not humanly possible to, to go through and effectively um, assess um, each and every one, right? And so, um, you know, that's that to me is is kind of the history of, of recruiters in a lot of ways. You see that you see things sort of changing um, over time, but I would say as re- when you think about how recently this is the case in a lot of ways and in a lot of relationships specifically, I would say that's the case even now, because um, what influences that is the perspective of the hiring manager and the role that they think the recruiter should be playing in facilitating. Um, the talent acquisition process. Um, if there's a, I guess a, a bias towards the, this this historical norm, then then inevitably that's how the hiring manager is to treat the relationship and and in turn make the expectations apparent uh, on the recruiter and and that can be that can really be the challenge when it comes to being effective in a relationship. So in that kind of a role, what skills does a recruiter need to be successful? you're looking at organized individuals who are, who are able to, um, you know, sort of multitask and, and push things around, uh, remember complex processes, ensure that step A 
always happens before step B and step C. And in a lot of ways can, can, can execute some of those steps in the background, you know, you know, kind of keeping it away from and being a little bit less transparent with the, the partner, the hiring manager partner they may be working with, so as to alleviate some of the pain. Um, and so that's the strength. I think what, you know, we, we, what we would have seen historically is, is someone who can kind of you know, really focus on those activities, execute uh, you know, in, in that vacuum and really move some, some things along through traditionally very clunky processes and, and still delivers you know, some outcomes fairly quickly. I would say it, it's caused, you know, again, thinking about what does, what would make for a successful recruiter in those times, it's really about being able to gloss over some of those less, um, less pretty aspects of, uh, of that work and of, of the process to, uh, to ensure that, you know, the hiring manager doesn't get kind of wound up in some of those, some of those things, because that can create frustration, it has historically created frustration with uh, the process overall. And that's what I was just going to ask. You mentioned that this is still the way a lot of organizations operate. And a lot of times it's because of hiring manager expectations. So would you say that the historical role of the recruiter has worked for hiring managers and been functioning well? Or have there been some issues that haven't been dealt with? Well, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, we, you know, you inevitably have... Uh, individuals who, who manage the process quite well, who, who are, have that magic special ingredient that allows them to work in that context and still be seen to adding value. But I would argue that at a macro level, traditionally, uh, you know, there's been a level of dissatisfaction with hiring managers and with the, the organization as a whole, that the recruiting process is too time consuming, too clunky, to, um, there's not a lot of value add, it's administrative in nature, I'm doing my own work to, to make this happen. And, and um, you know, so that, that value hasn't been, been seen um, as much historically. And, and I think that that's where we see the change, right? I mean, I know definitely at BMO, we're, we're very focused on changing that expectation, changing that dialogue. It requires a lot of tough conversations to change some of the past perceptions. But, uh, you know, we're looking for, we're looking to our recruitment teams to, to step up and, and, and have those conversations, right, and change that perspective. And taking a look at the historic role of the recruiter for just a second longer, if you look at the bigger picture about organization and the larger goals, how does the role of the historic recruiter sort of fit into that picture? Based on everything we've, we've shared around just the nature of the role historically, I would argue that um, the recruitment function has been buried fairly deeper in the broader HR shared service and, sh and function in, in most large organizations. Uh, it's, it's not traditionally, certainly historically, and I, I we see this changing in more recent times, but it, it was historically kind of wound up and deeper into just that broader HR shared service and that top of mind. That, that's probably reflective of, you know, the time and, and place we were at from a talent perspective in the industry and, and other factors. But it, it just, I would just describe it as sitting kind of buried deeper um, and, and just a necessary evil and a tag on to the broader HR shared service function. And that's evidenced, you know, our history of BMO, how we've decided to leverage partners outside the organization, um, you know, historically and, and back, you know, 15, 17 years ago, it wasn't about 
tithing off a conversation, an effective conversation about how we could find partners in talent acquisition and recruiting to, to fulfill that service more effectively for us. It was actually about how do we find partners for the broader HR shared service, of which recruiting was one small component, not, uh, not ever considered on its own. And so that, that's almost a, a really great example of how deep into the shared service organization and somewhat not thought of independently, the recruitment organization is historically being. You mentioned this earlier, but I want to talk a little bit more about why this historical approach is untenable. So why doesn't it work in the long run? And what are some of the things that you're seeing in the modern world of work that are driving that change? The, what the impetus for it not seeming to work is, is j- just this kind of competitive talent economy that we now find ourselves in. The world's changed drastically. Digitization, social, um, employment, employee choice, um, you know, shorter, uh, shorter careers or multi-stop journey careers, all factors in bringing talent acquisition to the forefront, forefront and, and really just that war on talent buzzword that is uh, overused is really is is ultimately what caused this need for focus on talent like never seen before in the history of HR. Um, and it's, it's really just more of those socioeconomic kind of impacts that, have, that are causing companies to reconsider this. I think interestingly, um, HR executives and, and business leaders, <laughs> um, particularly those that were, who, who are, are, are constantly looking to try to predict future um, behaviors, future sort of uh, situations in, in the economy, would have, have seen this coming, would have talked a lot about and have ta- historically talked a lot about this impending war on talent. So we see it coming, but it's interesting how uh, you know, difficult it is to change a very large ship. Big organizations are hard to change behaviors. There's a lot of wound up cultural things in that sentiment that, that need to be unwound. And so uh, we're seeing that come to bear. We've, we, again, at BMO, have, have, we're on a journey to, to, to make those changes. It's been a great partnership with people scared to, as we think that through. Um, and it's really changed the dynamic entirely um, over the last uh, three years. Tim, in this new decade, 2020, all of the pressures that are impacting recruiters, what does a recruiter need to look like to be successful? I'm not even talking about where things are now, but kind of the idealized approach. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Uh, and, and something I'm incredibly passionate about on our change journey as we transform TA at BMO, recruiters must be consultants, consultative in nature and act as consultants and equal partners in the hiring manager recruiter relationship. They're, they need to, to be talented advisors and own the talent agenda as a part of that partnership. And really, they need to be driven by data. They're, they're partnership-focused individuals who are, use data and insights to drive effective conversations. And those data and insights, I mean, there, there, there's a couple of key categories there, right? Because there's, there's performance data. There's really just how is the TA function historically performed in support of the partnership they have with their recruiting teams. And what a, and, and and what is the industry, what are industry insights telling us? What are we seeing around market trends related to talent? Um, you know, how can we bring that to the conversations uh, that we're having with our hiring managers? Um, 
to, to influence uh, the steps we're taking. And we really just, you know, it's through that consultative, data-driven, town advisory, you know, kind of behavior that we will unwind some of the norms associated with, honestly, even seeing the recruiter as an equal kind of partner in, in solving a talent problem um, to get out of the, the business of administering clicks um, to, to achieve a few steps to, to move, to, to, ins to bring in a resource to the organization as quickly as possible and really find the best talent um, as quickly as possible. Um, as talent advisors, you know, you, I, I really believe that there needs to be conversations on an ongoing basis that think about all of the dominoes in the organization and are, are thinking about internal mobility, external talent, you know, when you're bringing in outside resources, when you're moving, you know, the dominoes around when a vacancy comes, um, and how that might result in an opening, not necessarily where that, that domino tipped, but rather three moves over on, uh, on your board. So, you know, all those things are, are just incredibly important and you can't have those, you can't have that kind of relationship without, you know, very confident consultative recruiters, uh, on your team. So thinking about this ideal modern recruiter versus our historical recruiter, what are the skills and qualities that make a modern recruiter effective in their position? How are they similar or different from some of the previous skill sets recruiters needed to be successful? Sure. Uh, I would say just straight up skills. It's definitely about comfort with data and insights and gleaning insights from large amounts of data and being able to tell, you know, to, to visualize and tell stories using data to, to, to help inform decisions, right? So, so those are some of the, you know, that's definitely where some of the harder skills come in. I would say softer skills are definitely focused. I, when I think about consultant and, and what I envision in my mind and what I'm always encouraging my recruitment leaders in there to coach their recruiters on is the ability to, to effectively push back and to, to be seen as, a, you know, a partner who challenges um, the status quo. Uh, I would say uh, it, it is imperative that we unwind this need to please or need to say yes in a, in a more administrative function and really get to a constructive relationship where um, value is seen in the expertise of the recruiter, right? And, and that hiring managers understand that that's a, that's a unique and specific skill, something that they don't have all of the answers to and and would then in turn really value the partnership um, that they have with the, the recruiter in that relationship. And how much connection would you say there is between these skill sets? Would you say a historical recruiter who's filled this traditional role can learn and be trained so that they can be really great talent advisors? Yeah, no, it's, that's a fair question, right? So, I mean, ultimately, and, and being in the talent acquisition space and the talent world in general as practitioners, we would ask us, we would be looking to consult similarly with our businesses, which is, you know, can you, can you not reskill to meet these new demands or it's not about refreshing? And I, I, I completely believe it isn't. I think in a lot of ways, the, the traditional skills that a, a, a traditional recruiter would have are definitely, they have strong soft skills. They, they, may, they, they have conversations well with other people. They understand how to, to work uh, in a one-to-one -one relationship. That is probably what's <laughs> attracted them to the practice uh, in the first place. I think uh, in a lot of ways, it's really about culture 
um, that allows uh, a traditional recruiter to evolve into a modern recruiter. With data and insights and technology comfort aside for a second, it's really about, you know, how do I feel empowered to have a more consultative, um, you know, partnership with my hiring managers? Can I, can I feel supported if I have to say no or push back or, or really dig in on a sentiment related to uh, a direction my hiring manager is asking me to take? Uh, at the end of the day, I think that that's so important. The, the skills are probably there. It's about the culture and the environment they're in that allows them to stand up and, and kind of dig in where necessary. So that's a really important thing because as we transform at BMO, we're, we're definitely, yeah, I, I, would, I would want it to be crystal clear. It's not an effort of, an, an exercise of replacing every recruiter with a new recruiter who's this digitally savvy consultant. It's actually about creating a culture where that's okay to behave that way. And then layering in some of the, the harder skills around around data and, and uh, you know, understanding data and gleaning insights and telling and storytelling as it relates to data, because that's a, that's a, a skill that's learnable, um, certainly by more traditional recruiters and, and can absolutely see that being seen as a true, as a real benefit to supporting them and having these more consultative conversations. So it's definitely, it's, it's a cultural thing and a leadership thing. And I think that that's where, uh, you know, bold leaders, if you truly want to transform talent acquisition, you need to think about doing it. You don't, not only do you need to think about doing it differently, you have to be willing to stand up and, and push back and create a, an environment where you are going to completely disrupt the norms and you're going to be okay with that. So in this disrupted culture, thinking about where recruiting once sat in that broader picture of the organization, when you're looking at this new culture, where does the recruiting function sit as a part of the broader picture of the organization? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I do actually, I do believe wholeheartedly that uh, re recruitment and talent more specifically needs to be as close to the business as possible. One of, one of um, well, again, a historical norm often saw recruiting sitting deeper in, as we talked about, deeper in that HR kind of shared service organization. And that, that eliminated the ability to have close constructive relationships with hiring managers, but not only hiring managers, but leaders in the different business organizations. And, and we are on this journey at BMO to get our recruitment leaders more directly in conversation and in constant conversation with our um, business leaders about the talent agenda um, and, and providing them with data and insights and market intelligence to inform some of their strategic decisions. It is imperative that there not be a layer um, in between those conversations and that that's, that talent is talked about regularly and that closely. So while it still may sit inside the HR organization, it can't find itself you know, somewhere deep under two or three layers of, uh, you know, organizational bureaucracy to, uh, to, that impede direct conversations and strategic, regular strategic conversations with leadership. So um, I see that as just the, the key change. Organizations may go at this in different ways. I know I've, I've spoken to peers in the industry who are experimenting with the talent acquisition function actually residing inside the business unit versus inside HR. I know we have obviously traditional structures where um, talent acquisition is a bit of a, of a center of excellence inside the HR shared service. We have other um, structures uh, and, and that we organizations are considering where 
they become part of the HR business partner organization to get that step closer, but still reside inside HR. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um, what I think is most important out of all that is the sentiment that if your organization isn't allowing regular conversations with the, directly with between talent acquisition leaders and business leaders, um, you're, you're being held back and, and you're, you're being very, very reactive to talent acquisition needs, if that's the case. Uh, we, we have to get to a world of proactivity, right? And, uh, you know, it's usually music to the ears of talent acquisition professionals because they're, they've had a history of being uh, the, <laughs> at the mercy of a lack of planning, talent planning, et cetera. And so the closer the closer and more frequent those conversations ha happen, the more likely that there's some proactive planning in place. So what impact does this have on actual business outcomes? I think it's uh, you know, one of the, the most obvious impacts from my perspective is anything that's proactive in nature it has just that increased speed to market. Your ability to react to talent needs is, is heightened tremendously. Um, you know, the ability to influence things like workforce plans and how those workforce plans can, uh, you know, can influence talent plans, which can influence ultimately what you plan to go to market for and how you resource your recruiting teams are going to be that much uh, simpler if those conversations are happening immediately. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to overplay this war for talent concepts, but every, uh, everything you, you read, and I, I, would, I would imagine anybody who, who you talk to these days understands that skilled talent is the number one key to success in any, larger, in, in any organization's journey. But not, but not only that, that, that skilled talent is becoming more scarce and more competitive and more uh, choosy. <laughs> When it comes to, uh, to to the career journey and, and you know getting your hands on that talent quickly is is definitely going to benefit the uh, business outcomes tremendously. So one thing you've talked a little bit about so far is technology, and I want to dig into that a little bit more. So how would you say technology is shaping the recruiter as a consultative partner and advisor? Uh, I would almost say, what role doesn't it play? I I, I, I <laughs> Tech, this this talent acquisition space is the most heavily disrupted, uh, ripe for technology technological advancements uh, space. You know, I would argue in the certainly in the HR domain, but but more broadly right now. And we there is so much tremendous potential um, for technology to to be um, critically supportive of the recruiter's ability to be seen as a talent advisor. Ultimately, um, technology is going to allow us to to see and get to to see and call through more information than we've ever been able to um, in the past. You know, and getting out of uh, of trying to you know digest mountains of candidate data and industry data to to form opinions and being able to to leverage technologies to get to that quicker and more efficiently and, and produce insights and uh, visualization and variation of those insights is, is critical. And, and I can give really specific examples. I mean, we're starting to see our recruiters use, or we're encouraging our recruiters to use market intelligence along with historical performance data to tell stories about and to, and to, to really change the dialogue to, to get us away from 
attempting to solve a talent acquisition problem in exactly the same way we have done in the past, right? So you want to inform a conversation, um, you know, with a bunch of data that comes out of different, um, you know, technologies. And so, you know, those those technologies that that are that are grabbing data and, and allowing us to sort of sort through data effectively and produce those insights are are critical. This becomes the right hand to any good um, talent advisor. Um, I'll call it recruiter or talent advisor of the future. What about the impact of automation? I would imagine when you're looking at a traditional recruiter, a lot of the tasks they're doing are prime targets for automation. So how is is that area of technology driving or responding to the change that's happening? When we were talking about this, I was kind of downplaying this idea that it takes vastly unique and and new skills in order to work in the modern recruiting environment. I think one of the things that that probably we didn't talk about then and, and kind of addresses what you're bringing up here is really about sort of change resilience, right? So I do think it's absolutely critical to be able to to work with technology and to accept the change around business processes and how technology can augment the the approach you a recruiter has historically taken to to solving a talent acquisition challenge. Um, so you need to be able to work with new technologies and 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 stop doing things one way and start thinking about doing things another way and be open to that evergreen notion that things will always be um, you know improving over time. So you know that that is definitely a critical role, and we've as we go as we navigate this journey and as we transform, we have two distinct uh, pieces of work underway, and they are all about the technology ecosystem change, concurrent with ensuring the right cultural, organizational structure, and operating model um, and expectations as it relates to recruiters. But they're they're. They're they're oper- they're happening in parallel and with equal importance, right? So, um, so that we can bring the tools to bear um, while setting the expectation and creating the culture of behavior that we want. Um, so that there, it's all you know. I mean, it's a, kind of a maybe a harsh way to say it, but it's so that there are no excuses. Like at the end of the day, you know, these t- you know having the tools you need to do the job to change your behavior to really change the conversation is critical. But then being willing to do it and having a culture that allows for that is uh, is equally important. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about it in the context of how is technology changing the role of the recruiter, and it's ultimately, it's ultimately that, and it's probably just wound up in this whole assistive concept, right? Like technology will be assistive in nature; it's going to augment the role of the recruiter, but it can't replace the role of the recruiter because the role of the recruiter is the human piece. You know, the talent economy is just is going to further constrict. It's going to get more picky. It's not going to get less picky. Like people are going to get more picky and more selective and more interested in only having the best possible experiences. And so, that's where technology can't help. I I I, I strongly believe a bot's not going to be able to sell you the greatest things about the next op- option opportunity. Right? You you need to talk to a human, and they need to be able to describe the culture and the opportunity in a way that really resonates with you. So. So what are some of the steps that you have taken and some of the changes that you have driven at BMO to transform within your own organization? I mean, one of the, one of the most important changes, so I would say I'm going to point you to, to three things. Um, one of the, firstly, we, we've created a more specific 
um, recruitment leader model that is, that is aligned by the business area and business segment in our organization to allow for sort of a hierarchy that, that logically facilitates the conversations I was mentioning er, er, earlier, right? That there are, that are, are individuals that the tips of organi- chunks of the organization who can who are logically the owner of the the relationship with the business. Um, we we didn't historically have that structure. Um, we were much more channel focused in our structure, and it didn't lead to any of these effective conversations because uh, businesses, quite honestly, didn't know who they needed to go to to have that conversation. So that's probably the, that's it's such a simple thing, but one of the most important fundamental changes we made. In support of that, but as a second thing, is definitely our partnership with with PeopleScout and uh, as our RPO provider, and really, really thinking about culture in talent acquisition and blurring the lines between, you know, sort of vendor and 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 parent business, right? And we we want to treat and function as one single talent acquisition ecosystem that supports the business and it should not be it, it in fact it I've, I've worked hard to ensure the culture insists that it should it should not be apparent to our partners who sits on in which which organization but rather that it is just the talent acquisition organization supporting you um, regardless of who one who, what the individual who the individual works for so it's, it's again just so very important. It's important from a trust perspective. I mean, our business businesses at the end of the day, um, you know, historically have had challenges with, uh, you know, feeling like they're being supported appropriately, which has created a, you know, it has eroded trust over time. And we're working very hard to build trust back up through this partnership, but it doesn't happen overnight. The last thing we need is the, uh, any sentiment related to uh, outsource partnerships and their and the abilities, et cetera. And so we have just chosen to to do everything we can to mask that. And it's, it's proven to be really effective. And then the last thing is really the category of technology. I mean, what, what's changed for us and what's um, kind of allowing us to navigate, um, you know, this TA transformation is really about um, reinventing the entire ecosystem of, te- of uh, technologies and t- uh, recruiting technologies. We've just landed um, our launch of Workday we have um, uh, plans to to launch our new uh, CRM in the in the spring. We have cleaned up any dis, uh, disparate technologies that have existed in different parts of our organization, different parts, different channels, et cetera. We've you know increased our partnerships with other providers like LinkedIn. We've con- ensured that everybody has all of the tools, and then when I say everybody, I mean every recruiter, regardless of organization. Again, um, has all the tools that they need to do this job effectively for BMO and that we can kind of make our run to talent a little bit shorter and a little bit more effective. So if some of our listeners are hearing you talk right now and thinking, wow, this is really something I would love to push at my organization, what advice would you give them? I mean, so probably first and foremost is is to be bold. I mean, I, I would say, interestingly, if you were to to, to look at what you're asking um, your recruiters to be, the behavior you're asking of your recruiters in this new concept. It's really about being bold and being confident. And I would say ultimately that that's where it all starts. It, it took some kind of 
tough conversations for us on our side to really recognize that this actually was a gap and to look ourselves in the mirror and realize that we needed to take action as an organization to behave differently. And then we knew that we were going to be faced with a number of with, with pushback, uh, you know, at various levels of the organization as we tried to navigate this. Uh, so you know, in a lot of ways, it's just it's just taking those steps and then and, and proceeding with conviction. Amusingly, from it's been my experience that uh, you pushback won't exist at the highest levels of the organization, but pushback will kind of like get muddy in the middle parts of the organization where where it's the day to day grind and the where a lot of these relationships and, and the historical behaviors exist. And so that becomes your toughest nut to crack. But um, you know, almost knowing that in, in advance, really getting that alignment at the top of the house and then driving that change through advocacy um, and success stories is, is gonna be the key. Uh, we, we work really hard to build the right relationships in the right parts of the organization and really focus in areas where we've heard the most noise to make sure that, that, that those were, you know, our, our early adopters and our biggest supporters along the change journey. Um, because it's always great to be able to point to um, a relationship or a part of the business that has historically had challenges that, 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 parts, that other parts of the organization like, might likely be well aware of and say, hey, here's my greatest supporter for this transformation journey. Um, might've been my greatest detractor historically and is now uh, fully bought in and, and a huge advocate. So that's definitely, that's definitely what I would, I would encourage, right? It's, it's really just, you know, sort of taking that bold first step and, and just moving forward with conviction. And you mentioned this before, you, you talked a little bit about RPO, but what does a successful RPO partnership look like for this modern talent acquisition function? You know what, it's funny because I, uh, in a lot of ways we're seeing some consistency here. So again, I would say similar to what we're expecting the actual recruiters to, uh, you know, the behaviors that we're looking for them to exhibit as we transform into more consultative in nature, so is the importance of the RPO partnership. So at a, at a, at a, at a macro level in the relationship, your, the RPO partnership must be a strategic thought partner to the vision of talent acquisition and the overall organization it's supporting's macro journey. Um, you, you know, it can't be, um, it can't be, some, you know, sort of seen as in that, in that more traditional sort of outsourced provider lens. It, it must be, it must be an equal partner at the table and bring great ideas, bring innovative ideas, bring industry leading ideas because of the expertise that it inevitably has by supporting countless businesses uh, and other clients, right? And so when I look to, to our RPO partnership um, moving forward, it's all about that innovation, that consultation, that uh, thought leadership that can be brought along with obviously delivering with excellence um, on a day-to-day -day basis. It's almost like delivering with excellence on a day-to-day -day basis is just simply table stakes now. I, 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 I hope to have a partner where that need, need not take much of my time having a conversation about. Uh, and that's what we have with people started. I want a partner where I'm focused entirely on the thought leadership because I know that the machine want, runs well daily. And so looking forward five years, 10 years, maybe even a little bit further into the future, what's next for the recruiter? It, I think we're just in that we are in the throes of so much change right now in this part of the industry. It's it's mind boggling, but it's also laying the foundation for just a tremendous amount of, you know, 
the art of the possible, right? Like there are so, uh, the technology and the innovation that going on in this space is going to influence the role of the recruiter so substantially in the, what I would say is actually going to be the very, very near term, probably three to five years. I think, I think inevitably, the, you know, I see, I see social, um, you know, the social influence and data and access to data and information being um, key to, to changing the role of the recruiter. When we think about, you know, sort of AI and assistive, and assistive technology sort of augmenting some of the lower, lower value tasks and making it easier to comb through the mountains of data and the mountains of candidates, I just see, you know, just a continued journey of making that simpler but at the same time, and competing very specifically with that process getting simpler and the technology assisting the recruiter, we're going to see the, 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 the sort of the talent marketplace changing, the expectations of talent changing, the need for recruiters to be able to sell ideas and sell opportunities on a, a, perhaps a much, you know, it, it, to a much greater level. And I, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't want to overplay this idea of recruiters being salespeople at the end of the day, but they are definitely champions of the culture and, and definitely, um, you know, tasked very heavily with convincing uh, what, what's going to be a very passive can, uh, talent market um, that, they, that the opportunities that they're bringing to the, uh, to the table are, are worth considering. It's also going to be interesting to see how the role, uh, how the, the changing um, dynamic of work and the future of work impacts recruiters as we see more in you know, sort of the gig and short-term space take hold. I think, you know, that's definitely another another category that I see um, a lot of change from a recruiter perspective because uh, perhaps gone will be the days where you're exclusively considering an individual for a full-time long-term assignment, but rather trying to think of what the right type of talent is to, to address a certain need that may be, you know, very time-boxed in nature. So, so a few different, there's a couple of different themes there, I would say, overall, lots of different things that are influencing um, the role of the recruiter moving forward. But it kind of goes back to some of the fundamentals we mentioned earlier, right? Recruiters need to be, uh, you know, adaptive to change, open to change, leading change in a lot of ways, um, because I suspect that uh, we're only at the beginning of, of how this function gets disrupted uh, moving forward. And that is the perfect place for us to wrap up today. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thanks for including me. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation and uh, we'll talk soon. And thank you for listening. If you have any questions that we didn't cover today, you can send them our way. Just email us at marketing at peoplescout.com or you can find us on social media. Just search People Scout on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. But to make sure you don't miss an episode, visit our website and subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review. Talking Talent is a People Scout production. Music by Sound Design through Shutterstock.